0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very good morning, everybody. This is Squatbox. Let's get into your headlines this hour. The S&P and the Nasdaq start September with fresh record highs after manufacturing activity hits a 19-month peak with new orders in the United States at levels not seen since 2004. Japan's Chief Cabinet Secretary Yoshihide Suga is expected to announce he will join the race to replace Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. A news conference is set for later this morning. Swiss drug giant Roche unveils plans to launch a rapid Covid test in Europe by the end of the month, rolling out kits that can provide a result in 15 minutes. And President Trump visits Kenosha, Wisconsin, following protests over the shooting of a black man, condemning the recent violence and denying there is systematic racism within US law enforcement and show you these closes uh, with the big boards here. And what's clear, obviously, is that we again saw a push forward in uh, the U.S. equity session here. So that is uh, an S&P, a Nasdaq and an NDX record high yet again. It is the eighth positive session in nine for the Nasdaq. Terrific um, ISM numbers. Um, you can't take that away from these figures. The data was very clear that the manufacturing side of the US economy is showing a reasonably strong rebound. But it is worth just pointing out that the output numbers are below the pre-pandemic levels still, before you get too carried away. And there's some very odd anomalies around the data that it's just worth bearing in mind before you capitulate and throw your uh, money into the ring here. One is, obviously, that even as we see the pickup. We still have relatively weak demand due to the pandemic, and we are still below the pre-pandemic output numbers. The other thing to point out is even as we get these very uh, strong numbers around lumber and other commodities, people are getting excited about buying because they see this rebound. It doesn't seem to be spreading into the small cap index, which is really the heartland of the US economy. And I just thought it might be interesting to show you this comparison of how the Russell and the Nasdaq stack up against each other. And uh, if we can just hold this board up on screen for a moment, uh, Mr. Director, the blue line is the Nasdaq. Composite, What we've got here is the iShares Russell ETF, which shows a clear differentiation in the performance. And again, I don't want to overstate the case, but it is just worth pointing out as markets justify the push higher by looking at things like the strong ISM or the strong lumber price, we're not seeing the same degree of performance in the small cap mid-cap heartland of the united states which is just something to bear in mind here because the difference we're now seeing in large cap v small cap is about fourteen percent large caps outperforming small caps by 14%. Let's not take anything away, though, from those sectors that are robust at the moment. Here's the S&P 500 tech. It's another high materials, another high consumer discretionary also pushing forward. And we can just show you the representation of all these sectors uh, on the chart here. And you can see uh, this move from left to right and the climb that we've seen For these sectors as people have become emboldened by the idea that June, July and now August have been robust months. What about Asia? Um, What's the legacy look like as we come into the European Trading Day? We had a good pickup in the Asian session off the back of uh, the US closes, but I have to say we've lost a little bit of momentum here. We had some uh, retail sales data out of uh, Hong Kong, which wasn't particularly good, Uh, a slump of, uh, I believe it was 23%, but it was a little better than we've seen in the recent series. And in terms of the uh, Shanghai market, we are still very focused on this TikTok story, Uh, In Australia, uh, you wouldn't believe that they've just announced a recession, uh, the first recession in something like three decades. In fact, our producer Anna leant across and whispered to me that the last time Australia had a recession was actually the year that she was born, 1991. But I won't name-check Anna because I don't want to embarrass her in front of her friends who might be watching this morning or gathered in our newsroom here. Japan, very interesting. Uh Japan of course up two tenths of one percent here. We've got a big announcement, we think, coming very shortly. Japan's Chief Cabinet Secretary Yoshihide Suga is expected to announce his candidacy for the ruling party leadership in a press conference at 10 o'clock. The longtime Abe ally is the strong favourite to succeed him as Prime Minister after the Japanese leader stepped down amid ill health last week. The LDP party has opted for a closed vote... On September the 14th. So back to Australia. Recession then for the first time in 30 years. Second quarter GDP fell by 7%. That is the worst contraction ever recorded and the second straight period of decline. The Treasurer Josh Frydenberg said the recovery would be quote long and bumpy with third quarter GDP expected to be flat or slightly negative. The sale of TikTok's US subsidiary has reportedly stalled on questions over whether the app's core algorithms will still be part of the deal. This according to the Wall Street Journal. This comes after China imposed export restrictions on a number of artificial intelligence technologies. It's not known whether TikTok's algorithm will be part of Beijing's regulatory scrutiny. Meanwhile, President Trump says TikTok and and the deal still has time to close ahead of the deadline that he personally has set, but the U.S. Treasury has to be compensated.
1: I told them that uh, they have till September 15th to make a deal. After that, we close it up in this country, and uh, I said that the United States has to be compensated, well compensated, because we are the ones that are making it possible, and so we should be compensated. So the Treasury has to be well compensated.
0: President Trump then saying that the government should get its slice on the M&A action. Richard Windsor joins us, founder of Radio Free Mobile. Richard, good to see you back with us. Let me just ask you about this wrinkle then in a potential sale. How important do you think this issue of the core algorithm is to potential buyers? it's absolutely critical, Jeff.
1: Um, And we pointed that out some time ago when the news of the deal first surfaced. The reason why TikTok is a better service than anything else out there today is because it has this algorithm that is very good at surfacing videos that it knows that its users are going to enjoy. And if that is not included in part of the deal, then TikTok's competitiveness will diminish and it will leave the way open for Facebook or Snap to come up with a rival offering and steal those
0: users. And just sort of reverse engineering the decision out of Beijing, is this the reason why we think uh, Beijing um, stepped forward and said, okay, we're now looking at uh, limiting exports of this kind of technology, that they understood that there would be no deal without the core algorithm being part of the package?
1: Uh, Yes, and I think that's and Beijing's known that for a long time, because if you actually look at ByteDance's history, ByteDance actually started as an artificial intelligence company and then built the service on top of it. So it's it's that's always been very clear. I mean, Beijing, I think but the Beijing's move and the change in the regulations, first time they've updated that regulation, I think, for over 10 years, is obviously aimed at making the deal more difficult to achieve.
0: Uh, what do you think happens from here, then, if you... Um or a gambling man, what odds would you put on the deal actually going through? That's a great question. Um, The problem is that
1: the the, the most likely situation I can see is the following, which is a deal gets done before the deadline. And that deal is then closed pending regulatory approval. And And then obviously, China is going to drag its feet for as long as it possibly can. So the question mark arises is, will the U.S. Commerce Department stay that ban pending regulatory approval from China, which it has absolutely no incentive to do, or will it just go ahead and ban it anyway? And I think that is what will determine the outcome of this situation.
0: So as this um, sits in limbo at the moment then, I mean, what what are the potential uh, risks that nothing happens and that TikTok is somehow allowed to wither on the vine here as it gets trapped between uh, uh, the desire of the White House for it to be sold and Beijing's resistance to a deal?
1: I think a great place to look is look at what's happened in India. So um, what's happened in India is TikTok has actually been banned and it has actually been blocked. And what's happening is, is you're seeing the rivals of which there are many and there are plenty in the States to start to pick up all of these users. And I think that is what you might see should uh, the situation drag and you know TikTok's usability start to decline or actually on the 16th of September stop completely.
0: If we extend the experience of TikTok to other Chinese technology companies, um, are we now at risk of seeing a whole series of stories where ultimately uh, these technology companies are locked out of key markets like India and the United States and potentially the Eurozone if um, we eventually see Brussels change its tune on China? Um,
1: I think that's a distinct possibility, yes. And what you're seeing is, is that countries that are more hostile to China, um, India being a most recent one, but also Australia and to some degree, New Zealand and, of course, the United States, um, th- because they're becoming more hostile, they are blocking companies that ch- Chinese companies that are having big success overseas in the tech sector. To date, that has really only been huawei and tiktok big question mark to see what happens to the sale of xiaomi's handsets in the indian market because india
0: is by far xiaomi's biggest market
1: outside of china
0: and just moving this on i mean obviously the the thing that really worries uh, tech investors it seems to me is every time the u.s starts to rattle the cage on chip technology um very different beasts uh, when we're talking apps vs what you can do with chips. But just walk us through that story. What are the chances now that uh, there might be more punitive action on chip technology against the Chinese? Well,
1: I think the the, the punitive action so far has been quite extreme, and uh, but so far only directed at one company, which is Huawei. Um, And you can, you know, you can make cases for a breach of sanctions or past history in terms of IP irregularity and so on and so forth. You can make that case against Huawei. Um, But what's really happening is here is in the chip industry, the U.S. and Japan and the Netherlands all have a chokehold on manufacturing because manufacturing of chips, the machines that make them are all a series of mini monopolies. So you basically you cannot make a silicon chip without it going through a US made machine. And that gives the US the power to, you know, put some real binds on China. Now, at this point in time, they've only really targeted Huawei. And they've really, I suspect, and we've written it many times, targeted Huawei because Huawei is seen as a proxy for the Chinese government as part of this much wider and larger trade dispute.
0: Richard, there are always some winners um, as you get losers from this. Um, Who are the potential beneficiaries from the actions that the White House is taking at this point?
1: Um, Well, on the TikTok side, it's obviously the Indian competitors Um, from the Indian side. It's Facebook, it's Snap who are going to come up with alternatives. Um, And if you look more broadly afield, it could be um, certainly the likes of Samsung, Semiconductor, SK Hynix, maybe Toshiba, who gain a little bit of market share in China at the expense of some of their American competitors.
0: Mm. The um, Nasdaq has sort of blithely pushed on uh, throughout all of this. And, and in fact, as we look at the Chinese uh, tech index that 's also uh, tended to ignore some of the noise uh, around uh, all of these stories. Do you see that changing as we run through the month of September any shift in investor sentiment on tech as we get a hardening of political attitudes
1: uh, what what a fantastic question and to be honest if I knew a good answer to that i wouldn't be sitting here <laughs> um, let me give you a few thoughts so really what I think has happened is 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 that the pandemic has driven the tech sector to benefit significantly from it and what's really happened is is if you look right the way across all the different sectors the tech sector has been massively overbought and you can see that in how stretched some of these valuations are let me give you an example you know apple apple's core market is going to decline by around 10% this year but somehow the somehow the, the Market cap of the company has doubled since since uh, since the March low, um, and so really, what's happening is is I think there's a f- there's a fear from investors. They don't know where else to put their money because the the uncertainty that has been generated by the pandemic, and I think until there is greater visibility on that, you're going to see this situation continue. The other issue, of course, is is that the uh, continuing degree of quantitative easing from the Fed brings inflation into the market and asset price inflation, which also drives the stock market.
0: Richard, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for helping us My out. Pleasure. Richard Anytime. Windsor, uh, founder of Radio Free Mobile, and no doubt we'll be talking uh, throughout the programme about the twists and turns in the TikTok story. Talking of twists and turns in stories, espionage. Uh, Credit Swiss uh, with some releases this morning surrounding an investigation by the uh, market watchdog uh, Finma, And the news, the uh, uh, watchdog, is now engaged in enforcement proceedings against Credit Suisse, potentially. They have opened an investigation. They are looking into the activities of Credit Suisse with regard to spying on its own employees. Uh, The um, company itself has said that it is uh, determined to uh, support the effort towards a complete and uh, quick conclusion of the review of this phase of uh, Credit Suisse's uh, recent history. Uh, you'll recall, of course, um, I spent a, a bit of time in uh, Zurich uh, tracking the um, coverage of uh, Credit Suisse's um Uh, observation of uh, its staff. So we will um, continue to to watch this but Credit Suisse basically saying they will cooperate at this stage and they're not willing at this point to issue any further comment until we see the result of the Finma. Investigation. So, just something to bear in mind as we continue to watch uh, uh, Credit Suisse um, emerge from the uh, the recent period under Tjan Tian. Uh, still to come on the program. Then, a rapid testing kit could put Roche ahead of the race to control. COVID-19 and we're going to bring you details on that story when we come back and if you'd like uh, to review the market update this morning and the tech surge that's boosted US markets check out the Squawk Box podcast. Welcome back. A group of scientific advisors is warning four out of the six late stage coronavirus vaccine trials backed by the U.S. could fail. Drug makers have accelerated the development of vaccine candidates by investing in multiple research stages all at once, even before receiving regulatory approval. However, the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicines uh, say vaccines for infectious diseases typically only have a one in three success rate. Uh, the Trump administration says it'll not be constrained by a, quote, corrupt World Health Organization amid reports it could fast track a covid vaccine candidate. This after the WHO expressed concerns about comments from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration commissioner. Uh, to the Financial Times. Uh, Stephen Hahn told the newspaper the US could authorise a vaccine before completing late-stage trials if the benefits outweigh the risks. A move the WHO warns could pose major risks. Well, coronavirus antibodies have been found to last for at least four months. That's according to a study carried out in Iceland involving some 30,000 people, The research found that antibody levels rose for around two months after infection and remained stable for at least another two months. Roche will roll out new rapid coronavirus tests in Europe by the end of the month. The tests can reportedly produce results in just 15 minutes with 90% accuracy. Juliana has once again kindly uh, foregone her sleep to come and join us in the first hour of the programme. Um, good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Um, so let's pick up on that. I mean, how big a deal is the, the, the test story?
2: Well, this is a, a big deal, and then it expands the availability of rapid testing, which policy makers, public health experts say is a crucial tool to controlling the virus. So this test that Roche uh, announced yesterday will launch later this month in European countries is designed to detect both symptomatic and asymptomatic cases. So this is different from Abbott's uh, antigen test, which was released last week and cleared in the United States, which was only for symptomatic people. So Roche. Test seems to have a wider scope. They do plan to file for U.S. emergency use authorization as well. No news on timing yet. Also, no news on price. Abbott t- test, just for reference, is set to cost about five dollars per test. Roche says that at launch, they're going to have 40 million tests available per month, with capacity to increase more than twofold at the end of the year. Now, Jeff, you asked about how significant this is, and you mentioned the accuracy numbers. So this test has a sensitivity of 96.52 this is the ability of the test to detect cases positive cases it has a specificity of ninety nine point six eight percent which is the ability of the test to correctly identify those without the disease we look for these numbers to be above ninety five percent so it crosses that threshold but antigen tests in comparison to molecular tests tend to have a lower sensitivity, which means that you have a higher chance of missing an active infection. And Roche actually makes note of this in the press release that came out last night, saying that if a patient gets a negative test result using this 15-minute test, but is showing symptoms, then they should seek further testing to confirm their case. And this was a point you raised yesterday, Jeff, Mm -hmm. when we were discussing the whole testing situations, how accurate, how reliable, how trustworthy are these tests. And the the, the crux of the the answer is these are really important tools. They help; to, they will help to diagnose cases, but they're not going to be definitive tests. So, in some cases, given the lower sensitivity, they will require more testing. But they're going to be a huge tool to help healthcare workers and health, uh, help uh, public health experts identify the bulk of cases. Mm. Uh, the
0: test, though, will only be done on people that are showing some symptoms. Is that is that? clear at this stage because or is it about the policy framework in different countries because increasingly it seems that the evidence suggests there are a high number of asymptomatic individuals who may be helping the transmission but ultimately have no idea that they're actually carrying um, the uh, covid virus
2: Well, to answer that question, I think there are two elements here. One is the test capable of detecting the virus in those asymptomatic cases. The answer to that is yes, this is for asymptomatic as well as symptomatic people. The second part, though, is is that what countries are going to do? Are they going to use these tests in a big way to test both asymptomatic and symptomatic cases? Well, at just 40 million tests per month, capacity is going to be limited. So it's going to be up to the countries. Would suggest they're going to use this in higher stakes cases at first, but it it certainly creates the path to wider testing to catch those cases that are going undetected now.
0: Terrific. All right. We'll see you a little bit later on. Thank you so much for that. Uh, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio has agreed to delay reopening the city's schools by 10 days after reaching a deal with teachers unions. Uh, The agreement comes after educators threaten strike action over what they say is a lack of safety planning. When schools do reopen on the 21st, New York City will be the only major urban school district in America to hold in-person classes this autumn under a hybrid model combining them with online teaching. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.